JudgeCast. This is episode number 148. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me as always, my two eternal co-hosts. First off, we got Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And the Brian Prilliman. Hello, oh, I'm more of a legacy co-host. <laughs> I called Nicholas Saban a legacy classic. I thought it was funny when I was head judge of the legacy classic. Yeah? You called him just a solid. legacy classic? I said, I said, you're a legacy classic. Wow. I, I, Not wrong. I think he is I think it's the, hilarious. He, he is one of the older grumps in the in the program. He is. So, but this episode is not about Nicholas Saban. That'll be a future episode. This episode. <laughs> what episode? Is about what the, episode? Shit is uh, going to be about Nicholas Saban. Two hundred and twelve. Okay. Oof. Where we just we run out of topics and we just start going in depth about judges we know. <laughs> the first time I met Nicholas Saban. Nicholas Saban was the first judge I ever met. Was he? Yep. Oh, He's still supposed right. to do a rap battle between him and Turner. Like, they agreed oh, to do it at right. a GP, and they didn't. All right. So this episode is about Eternal Masters, specifically the release notes. Oh. Oh. Eternal Masters? What? You sound disappointed. We've been waiting forever for these release notes. Oh, I thought we were uh, going to revisit uh, team leading. No, um, we're not. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, oh. All right, so yeah, we have this brand new set, Eternal Masters. It's got all kinds of cool. Is it? New-ish. Sort of. It's pretty new. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the set symbol actually makes it very clear that it's new. They took this, this, the, the things from the first two Modern Masters sets and rearranged them in a new way. Um, <laughs> so that makes you, know, makes you know it's the new set. Yeah. It, it kind of just looks like Time Spiral... To me, the time shifted. Yes. Oh, the little hourglass thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, it just looks like an hourglass. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but but were, anyway. But if you were to invert those two so, things, you'd get the Modern Masters 2 uh, <laughs> symbol. Yeah. All right. Dude, if, if anyone hasn't like stopped listening already, we should probably right. get... Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the abilities that are in Eternal Masters. Okay. Well, let's maybe we got... talk about, just real quick, the, the Eternal Masters set itself. So, like, in general, okay. what it is. So... Just much like Wizards has printed uh, Modern Masters set, uh, they've printed Modern Masters 1, they've printed Modern Masters 2, uh, they are doing Eternal Masters, which is the focus on the cards from the Eternal formats. Uh, you know, so Legacy and Vintage and EDH, even though it's not technically a, uh, an Eternal format. Uh, there are no cards from the, uh, from the restricted, uh, not the restricted list, the... Um, uh, what is it? The reserve. There you go. That's the other bad R word. I know. Yeah. So, so it's a lot of, lot of fun, a lot of nostalgia in there, a lot of old mechanics. Um, not like banding though. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. Okay. Plus, we already have an episode on yeah, banding. It, so it is designed to be a draftable format. There will be, uh, there will be events running, uh, running Eternal Masters drafts. Uh, if you are running a limited, uh, I think you can, I think this can be an RT, RPT, uh, PTP, sorry, a PPTQ format. Is that right? Do we know? I don't know. 
I definitely know that if you're doing if you're doing like uh, Shadows over Innistrad, uh, a limited, uh, you can't do top eight draft of Eternal Masters. No. Okay. We'll have an answer. Good to know. What's that? I say good to know. Hmm. That's been a question a lot. That's been on Twitter a lot because uh, TOs have been advertising it because they think it's fun and exciting. And no, you can't do that. <laughs> and a lot cheaper for them to have than to do a full sealed. Right. All right. So let's talk about Cascade. Cascade is an ability that came out uh, right before I started playing, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I still think it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, free spells are fair. Fun. <laughs> uh, I don't worry about that. So, <laughs> so, so Cascade is a, a triggered ability. And you get on a card, it means when you cast a spell. Exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card whose converted mana cost is less than this spell's converted mana cost. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put all cards exiled this way that weren't cast on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, it's a lot of words to say. Basically, you just flip cards from the top of your deck until you find the first one that has a uh, converted mana cost that is less that is not a land. And then you can cast that spell. You may cast that spell, yes. Yep. You may cast that spell. You really, really don't want to for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it'll be like a removal and you have the only creature. Yeah. 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 So, uh, it's worth noting, you Cascade, it triggers when you cast the spell with Cascade. So you're going to Cascade before your spell with Cascade even resolves. Right. It's not in play, which is, uh, which is, is. an important distinction for some spells you might Cascade into, especially limited. Yeah. So, for example, if you if you cascade into something, if you cascade into uh, a pump spell, you can't, can't with Bloodbraid Elf. You can't pump your Bloodbraid Elf with it. Right. Uh, all right. So yeah, you exile a bunch of the cards as you cascade them. You exile cards face up, just like any cards you exile. Um, so you cast the last card you exile in this in this little cascading. I don't. I want to say loop, cascade. but it's not really a loop. In this cascade. In this cascade. Uh, and if that spell had cascade, it would also trigger because you are actually casting this spell. So it, you know, so say you cast Bloodbraid Elf, right, which has cascade. Then we're gonna have the cascade trigger go on the stack. It's gonna resolve. You know, you're gonna do flipping over your cards, and then it's gonna find a spell, and then it's gonna cast that spell, and then that spell will also resolve before the Bloodbraid Elf has ever resolved. If so. if the spell you you cascade into has cascade, you get to cascade again. Yeah. It's lots and lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, one one fun thing, um, since it says that uh, you may cast the cast the card without paying its converted mana, co- and if its ma- converted mana cost is less than that spell's converted mana cost, uh, there's some uh, cards that don't have a mana cost at all that you could cascade into. People should build decks around that. People should build decks around that. But yes, yeah, so hmm. normally there are there are some cards. Uh, that do not have a mana cost. Let's see here. What is it? There's there's one of them. Ancestral. It's blue. Ancestral. Uh, uh, ponder. Ancestral. <laughs> visions. What's this? Ancestral. No, it's not Ancestral Visions. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's Ancestral Vision. So that's that's one that doesn't have uh doesn't have a mana cost. You can normally only cast it by suspending. However, if you can you can cascade into them just fine and cast them. Without paying their mana cost, which you normally wouldn't be able to cast them that way anyway. Yep. Yay, cascade. Yep. But it's also worth noting since you're not paying the mana cost, if the spell you cascade into has X in the cost, then X has to be zero. Womp womp. 
Should we? Uh, there's not double face card or not double face. Uh, two split cards. There's not split cards in in Eternal Masters, are there? Not that I know. No, right. even though we talked about, I I think they they kind of they kind of steered away from modern cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, split cards are are they are all split cards in modern now or was there what was that no invasions had some didn't it? Yeah, That's not I think so. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm going to say it anyway because I already started talking about it. So, <laughs> split cards have two casting costs. This will come up later too. And um, so let's say a split card, the left side costs two, the right side costs six, uh, and you cast Blood Raid Elf, which costs four. You could cascade into that card, and it's asking that split card, um, do you have a mana cost that is less than this? And the answer is yes, because the result is it has a mana cost of two, and it has a mana cost of six. So is there a mana cost in there that is less than four? Yes, there is. So you could actually cast a split card off of Cascade, and um, you even get to choose which side you want to cast for free. So, Broken. The deal. Deal. Alright. I remember this this ability from my youth. Which one? The ne- next one? Yeah. What's the next ability? What is the next ability? Echo. 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 Okay, yeah. Alright. <laughs> I knew I knew you are doing it, but we had to move forward. <laughs> Alright. Uh, uh, sorry, you can go on, Jess. Oh, I was just going to say Echo is um, <clears throat> Echo is really straightforward, I think. Old um, cards with Echo have the word Echo followed by a cost, and that means that at the beginning of your upkeep, um, if this permanent came under your control since the beginning of your last upkeep, you sacrifice it unless you pay whatever cost is listed. So in the case of Karmic Guide, uh, it says Echo 3 White White. At the beginning of your upkeep, you either pay 3 White White or you sacrifice Karmic Guide. Um, you can choose not to pay the Echo. This isn't something where you, you have to pay it or you can. Uh, you do choose. Um, and uh, one of the interesting things about Echo is that it says uh, came under your control since the beginning of the last time. It doesn't say entered the battlefield. So if you gained control of something with Echo and it, you you still control it at the start of your next turn, you still have to pay the Echo cost or sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. And uh, same when it comes back to you after somebody else took control of it with, say, an act of treason effect. Mm-hmm. Or control magics in this format. Yes, it is. If you manage to see a card with Echo in a um, in a competitive environment, perhaps in Legacy, uh, you it's worth noting that all Echo costs are considered detrimental triggers uh, with a default action. Uh, so however... Yeah, there's one card that has an echo cost of zero. I would feel comfortable saying that, that we can just assume a player's paid it. Well, there's that tournament shortcut that says you're assumed to have paid all costs of zero. Yeah. So the Shah of Shar Isle, the, the something of Shar Isle or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so there really isn't much interesting about echo. Um, it's just, it's a triggered ability, and you choose whether or not to sacrifice it or pay the cost when that triggered ability resolves. Yep. All right. So the next ability, uh, huh, I feel like we've we've talked about this uh, a lot last episode. Well, we're bringing it back. Yeah, we're bringing it back. We're flashing it back. Um, so flashback is back. All right. <laughs> um, so flashback uh, is a ability that appears on instants and sorceries. Uh, so 
The first is it's got a few ability. It means a few abilities. The first one is um, the value flashback, and then it'll have a cost. Because you may cast this card from your graveyard by paying the cost rather than by paying its mana cost. Uh, and then it says, if the flashback cost was paid, this is the second ability, uh, exile this card instead of putting it anywhere else anytime it would leave the stack. So this is the second ability is once it's on the stack, once you've flashed it back and it's on the stack, it's not going to go to the graveyard, so you can keep flashing it back. You can't, like, you know, bounce it to your hand or if it gets countered or anything like that, it's going to go to exile. Um, so some things to remember about flashback, which we, we talked about flashback an episode or two ago in the, when we were answering emails, but you can only cast, um, the sorcery, uh, using flashback when you could normally cast a sorcery. So basically timing restrictions apply. Okay. You can't flash back a sorcery, uh, on your opponent's turn. Um, Casting a spell for flashback doesn't change the mana cost or converted mana cost for the spell. So the example here uh, is with Cabal Therapy. So it's a spell that costs a black. And it's flashback. It's uh, one black to name a non-land card. Target player reveals his or her hand and discards all cards of that name. Flashback, sacrifice a creature. So if I was to flashback Cabal Therapy by sacrificing a creature, the, the converted mana cost is still one. Uh, the and the mana cost is black. Okay, it's just I don't have the cost I have to pay. Sacrifice a creature. Um, so now that I can change that is if there's effects that cause you to pay more or less when casting a spell. That also that also applies. So if you have if there's a a, a card out there that makes things cost more, you're going to have to pay more than just sacrificing your creature. And then. Um, if that spell gets countered, it's going to get exiled instead of, of, uh, of going to the graveyard. Now, if the card, even if the card says like gets shuffled into your library as part of the resolution of its effect, uh, flashback is still going to kick in and say, nope, get on out of there. You're in exile. Yep. Yeah. There's no way around that. All right. Let's talk about hybrid. We haven't talked about hybrid in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's probably true. <laughs> so hybrid is is a way to smush two magic colors together into one tiny little mana symbol. So it's like making a Reese's peanut butter cup. <clears throat> we'll talk about uh, chocolate Deathrite Shaman a little bit later, but the mana cost of Deathrite Shaman is a hybrid black green. So the symbol is both a black mana symbol and a green mana symbol. So what does that mean? It means you can spend either a black or a green to pay for that mana cost. It also means the creature is both black and green. Um, so this is something you choose when you're uh, choosing in, in the in the steps of casting a spell. It's the same time you're choosing modes. You're also choosing uh, how you're going to do your hybrid mana symbols. I'm not sure if that truly matters, but I'm sure Jess has some example at some point where it would matter. Where where what matters the choosing the color you're going to pay during choosing modes. Um... I mean, ultimately it matters because when we need to calculate costs, we need to know what you chose, but so that we know the cost you have to pay. Yeah, I think I think that's only there because you need a place to stick it. I'm not sure it matters that it's there. Yeah. Uh, oh no, it does. It does because there are things that do different things depending on what color you you're using to pay it. Sure, but doesn't that just look at what you spent? I guess it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, was like, I was hoping there was something that like change targets or something, but I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't have any uh, examples for that off the top of my head. All right. 
It's worth noting that a hybrid <laughs> mana symbol is just, as far as converted mana cost is going, it's just one. It's one mana symbol, so it counts as one. And that's really about it for yeah. hybrid mana. It's, yeah, there's uh, some, there's some other, there's a, there's some other sets that have like a hybrid, uh, colorless hybrid mana symbol. Oh yeah, or, yeah, where it's like two slash white. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, you know. Besieged the Queen was the first card with that card, with that uh, that symbol. Yeah, there was there was a, a cycle in that set. Uh, one of the shadow shadow more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. yeah. So Too those weird. those count as two. Uh, each of those mana symbols count as two. So basically, you you look at it and it's like whatever the greater value is, you take that one. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Uh, yeah. So this one is uh, this is actually when I got back into the game. Um, this this ability was big, and uh, and it was introduced in Mirrodin block, the first one. Uh, it's called imprint. Um, so imprint is an ability word. Uh, basically, you know, it just it's going to tell you what it what it does, but it sets up it sets up a thematic tie. Basically, when a uh, when you play a card with imprint, there's going to be a triggered ability that says, "Hey, when you when this enters the enters the battlefield, uh, you may exile a card from wherever, and it's going to tell you where you exile that card from. Uh, it might be your hand, it might be the graveyard, it might be the battlefield, and then something about that card you just played cares about the imprinted card in some form or fashion." Um, so the example uh, with Chrome Mox is imprint. When Chrome Mox enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand, and then you can tap Chrome Mox to add one mana color of any of the exile cards colored to your mana pool. Um, so these uh, these abilities are the 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 two abilities, the imprinted ability and the, the the tap ability in this particular case are linked. The second ability refers only to cards exiled uh, with the imprint ability. So if somehow you're able to exile other, you know, you, you give Chrome Mox like some other abilities that lets it exile cards. That's it's not going to be able to see the tap ability. It's not going to be able to see this. Um, if uh, what's this here? if uh, uh, you're able to unimprint uh, or unexile or get uh so with chrome Mox, for example if i'm able to uh, i exile a you know a blue spell with it and then something happens and that blue spell gets gets cast or it gets shuffled back into my library or to the graveyard or something along those lines chrome Mox no longer can see uh can see that card so it can't tap for that mana anymore <clears throat> So what does it tap for? Uh, it wouldn't be able to tap for anything. Yes. You could tap it, though. Yeah, you could tap it, you know, just fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think along the same lines, if... Because it's funny, when Chrome Mox was made, you know, it has this little non-artifact clause, because I think it's trying to get around what I'm about to talk about, which is getting a colorless card underneath it. But now, right. in this new Eldrazi world, it's actually very easy oh. to get a yeah. colorless card under it. But even if you do, colorless is still not a color, so it would not be able to add any mana to your mana pool. Back then, they also hadn't had uh, colored artifacts yet either. Right. So, like, I think they were trying to get around this, and now... They're like, oh, well, what'll happen if somebody exiles an artifact? They're going to be really sad that this doesn't work. I'm also pretty sure when this was printed, it was impossible to get the card out of exile, because when did that card come around? What, Pull pull from Eternity? That was the one. 
the time spiral block. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's lot. There are lots of ways to do it now. Um, yeah, there are. I think the only card that did it at the time was in Unglued. Oh. <laughs> that was uh, a wall. Oh, the remove, remove from the remove from game, or yeah, it, 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 uh, put remove. It, it was. Uh, <laughs> Take target card in the remove from game zone and put it in the absolutely remove from the freaking game forever zone. (laughs) (laughs) And all the wishes at the time, the rules were different. All of the wish cards could get cards that were removed from the game as well. Yeah, that was a weird. That's true. That's that's a good point. Uh, So there were ways to get around it uh, that don't work anymore, but there were ways to get around it. Yeah. Okay, it's also worth mentioning if you flicker or somehow have the Chrome Mox leave the battlefield and come back. Um, th- what it was imprinted on before doesn't matter anymore. And it, if you're doing what I just said, flickering it, then it will get a new imprint trigger. But it, it doesn't know anything about that last one anymore. Right, and that other card just stays exiled. Yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, are we ready to move on to the next mechanic? I would love to. All right. There's I didn't a know lot you were of... so excited for this mechanic. I, there's so many words here for such a simple mechanic. Uh, all right, so the next mechanic is Morbid. Uh, morbid is also, I think Morbid is very straightforward. Uh, spells with Morbid, basically, they do one thing, and if a creature has died this turn, they instead do a different thing that is listed on the card. Um, so it, 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 Morbid doesn't have any rules meaning on its own. It just indicates that there is some replacement effect that changes what this card does, uh, or text, uh, replacement effect. It changes what this card does, uh, if a creature has died this turn. Um, it doesn't care if the creature's in the graveyard, it doesn't care about any of that, it only checks to see, did a creature die this turn? It, that includes tokens, um, some triggered abilities, uh, have morbid, and, and they, they care, they, they have an intervening if clause, so I don't know if there are, are there any intervening if clause morbid triggers that trigger and that it care about what like I, I don't think I can make a weird situation happen with that. So where it something something died so that it would trigger, but then undied so it wouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Undying does not work that way. It is a mechanic. No. It does work that undying way. does not think, work that I way. I think most most of it was just so that the trigger wouldn't. You wouldn't have a situation where you would the trigger would go on the stack. And then the and then the first creature would die, and then there'd be a point where it's like, oh well, you know, sure, the creature sense. died while it was on the stack, so I get it. Right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, so yeah, because it's an intervening if clause, it only triggers well if a creature died that turn, um, and it only cares that a creature died. It doesn't care how many. So, for example, tragic slip says target creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn. And then says, Morbid, that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn if a creature died this turn. If you had three creatures die, it doesn't give them, you know, <laughs> minus 39. Uh, it's just minus 13, minus 13. Yeah. It's worth mentioning, just, just in case it was confusing, that Morbid isn't always a trigger. Yeah. Like, like in oh, this yeah, case. Sometimes, as I said, with, like in the case of uh, Tragic Slip, right. uh, that actually is just a self-replacement effect. Which checks uh, as Tragic Slip resolves. So if you really wanted to, you could tragic slip something, maintain priority, doom blade something else, and then get the full tragic slip. You could. You could. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> I don't think we're in a world yet where we need to talk about protection. Uh, well. A couple more years. <laughs> all right, all right. 
Okay. Fair enough. Let's let's. Uh, <laughs> All right. Retrace. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's retrace our steps and go yes. to the next. Sorry, I've gotten lazy. <laughs> <laughs> that one was so easy too. All right. So retrace is an ability that says <clears throat> that um, it applies to cards in the graveyard, and it means that you can cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card as an additional cost to cast it. So. There's some similarities to Flashback here, although the major one, major difference being you're not going to exile the card at the end. Uh, it's also worth knowing this is an additional cost. So it's just saying, hey, you can cast this if you also discard a land. So you still need to pay the mana cost. You, you need to do all those kinds of things. Um, when the spell resolves, it's just going to go to the graveyard like it should. So you could, if you had a million lands in hand and a million mana, you could cast the spell multiple times out of your graveyard. But... A lot of what applies to flashback applies here. The normal timing restrictions apply. <clears throat> um, that's about it, right? Yeah, that's actually really it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, okay, well, let me throw in this very last thing here because this this is important. So when the spell resolves, this is true of any spell, of course, but when the retrace spell resolves, the active player will get priority back again and they can cast it again. So by the time the opponent has priority the spell will already be on the stack. So if they have a card that's trying to uh, remove a card from their graveyard or something like that, uh, they actually won't have priority at any point in there where they could actually remove the flame jab before the active player is able to cast it. Sorry, I'm using flame jab as an example, which is a one mana spell that deals one damage to start creature or player and it has retrace. Now we can get a little more complex if we get in with instance and it's the opponent's turn, but we won't. Hmm. All right. So this this next uh, this next mechanic is threshold. Uh, so threshold uh, has been a mechanic or an ability word that we've answered multiple questions about in multiple episodes. Threshold basically is, hey, something's gonna happen uh, if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard. So when we were talking about delirium and we were like, Oh, well, delirium's kind of like threshold, except it counts the number of different types of things. And so now we're going to say, Oh, well, well, threshold's like delirium only. It, it, it just counts how many, how many things total there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So it might, it might be a static ability that gives the creature a boost. It might be a replacement effect on a spell, all of that. Um, what it also does is it replaces some of my favorite flavor text on one of my favorite cards. What? Um, yeah, so there is, in this set, there is, for one in a green, they have reprinted Werebear. Werebear? Werebear. I think it's Werber. Werber? No. Werber. <laughs> it's Werebear. And Werebear has... Amongst amongst many wonderful things, where you when you play it and you say "Where Bear," the other person says "Where Bear," you get to shout "There Bear" and point to it. Um, <laughs> that's the that is the best part of Where Bear in uh in any in any game you ever play. Is when yeah, you said I used to do that with Dismember. Like I'm gonna play <laughs> which member? Which member? Dismember. <laughs> so the flavor the flavor text on on werebear right now is to become is to understand well i haven't i haven't become because i don't understand why they changed the flavor text to that when it used to be the glorious he exercises his right to bear arms yes that joke really only makes sense in america (laughs) yes well then change it in other languages but let's make dominaria great again yes let's make dominaria great 
Alright. Specifically the Otaria region. Oh, wow. Oh, you just next leveled me there. <laughs> yeah. Alright. All right, move on to Vanishing, guys. Uh, please. Unless you had something else about, about Werebear or Threshold. Well, I do... We should mention that Threshold does... Like, it's constantly counting how many cards you have in your, library, in your graveyard. So if you do go back to below seven cards, it turns back off. Right. Yes. It's, it's not like once you hit that Threshold, it's on forever. It, Oh, that's about it. You did you did make one point. It, the ability is on the card, so if you start getting into like layers math or anything like that, the timestamp isn't the timestamp of when you got seven cards. It's yeah, the the timestamp of when you played the uh, when you played the permanent. Yeah, right. that, that comes up. Well, it comes up in judge questions that I ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so the next ability is called vanishing. Uh, this detrimental triggered is, uh, is actually kind of interesting. Basically, something has a vanishing with a number. So, for example, Calciderm has the ability vanishing four. And what that means is that the creature enters the battlefield with four time counters on it. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you remove a time counter from it. And when the last time counter is removed, you sacrifice it. Uh, so, uh, if the last time counter is removed from a permanent with vanishing and the ability to sacrifice it is countered which is a separate triggered ability uh the permanent remains on the battlefield indefinitely with no time counters on it this is a thing that can happen in uh in legacy this can happen in eternal masters actually can't it do we not have a card that does that i could have sworn i saw one anyway yeah um so that means neither of the abilities will trigger again unless you give it another time counter right Yes, which is not easy. No, actually, I mean, at the beginning of your upkeep, that, that ability does trigger again, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah so it triggers, it just doesn't remove a time counter because there aren't any to remove. Right. Right. You're thinking, you're thinking of suspense. Suspense the one that if it's got a, uh, it only triggers if it's got a time counter on it. Right. In this case, it does. Uh, it does trigger again. Um, so it triggers, but it doesn't do anything, so it's not actually relevant. Um, and... If you somehow have a permanent that has time counters on it for whatever reason, become a copy of another permanent that has vanishing, it can lose time counters too. <laughs> and end up being sacrificed at the end. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> like, what do you have, like a Joyra's time bugger? No, that doesn't even have time counters on it. Like, I, I don't even know how you get could I get don't know. There. But that's a thing that could happen. It's worth mentioning also, since I see Calciderm here, has Shroud. Good old Shroud. Uh, and Shroud means that it can't be a target of spells or abilities by anyone. Right. Since apparently people were misplaying this so much that Hexproof had to come into existence. I think it's maybe worth a little reminder here for some newer players that Shroud means nobody can target it with any That's spell or ability. Lot, That's a really good point. Yeah. I think so. I've been so used to not seeing it that... I... Well, you just got to remember that Calciderm is just a fixed Blastoderm, and Blastoderm had, uh, had Shroud too. Okay, well, there we go. There you go. All right. <laughs> is there any way it's your turn, Brian? What? No. Oh, no. No. It is quite, no, I think, quite your uh, turn. I think, I think your turn. Brian jumped on Werebear, and then I jumped on Vanishing, so uh, now it's your turn. <laughs> we may have set that up. <laughs> uh, animate Dead. One of my favorite cards as a kid, I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read it. <clears throat> Anime dead. One in a black. Enchantment dash aura. Enchant creature card in a graveyard. <laughs> Find that text anywhere else. Not even on necromancy. 
Actually, there there's a uh, there is there's one other like, card. Yeah, there's one other <laughs> card in Future Sight where it's like enchant sorcery or instant card in a graveyard. Oh, great. All right. When animate dead enters the battlefield. Here's one of my favorite lines in all of Magic, honestly. When animate dead enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, <laughs> it's just like what? <laughs> like to anyone else, that must be so weird. But obviously, that's to protect. That's so this trigger will resolve or won't resolve if animate dead is destroyed in response to its own trigger. Anyway, okay. Let's get through this and then I'll talk. When Anime Dead enters the battlefield, if it's on the battlefield, it loses Enchant Creature card in the graveyard and gains Enchant Creature put onto the battlefield with Anime Dead. Return Enchanted Creature card to the battlefield under your control and attach Anime Dead to it. When your Anime Dead leaves the battlefield, that creature's controller sacrifices it. It being the creature. And also, just for you to forget it during combat, Enchanted Creature gets minus one, minus zero. Hmm. So, so original, originally the the type it was just enchant dead creature. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's very elegant. So um, this is really a long winded way of saying enchant a creature, bring it back out of the out of your graveyard, and also if animate dead dies, the creature dies, and it gets minus one minus zero. Right. So animate dead is very weird. Um, animate dead actually never goes into the graveyard it's just enchanting a creature card that's in a graveyard um if so i mentioned it has that intervening if right if you destroy animate dead in response to it entering the battlefield so in response to its trigger then the rest of that text ever happens so the creature in the graveyard will not move because that whole trigger wouldn't have happened to bring the creature back out um oddly enough if you stifle the animate dead trigger the animate dead just kind of sits out there oh mm. What is what does it do? Does it just sit there and it's enchanted? It's still attached to the creature card in the yes, graveyard. Yes, it sits there. Yeah. It sits there it's enchanting. <laughs> it sits there on the battlefield, enchanting a card in your graveyard. If you're stuck okay. The yeah, I was just reading it again. I was like, wait. Which, right. by the way, does not get minus one minus zero. Right, because it's only it's only getting the enchanted creature if it's it's not an enchanted creature card. Right. Jeez. Okay, and and hold on. Let me ask this: if somehow. That creature card in the graveyard gets exiled. State-based actions are going to put anime dead, dead to go to the graveyard. To put anime dead in the graveyard. <laughs> I love this That's card. That's so weird. That's so weird. It's so. It's just making things making things work in the rules. Like I know. here's the thing: old cards sometimes really have an unnatural amount of text needed to make them work. I mean, the font on this card is, hope you don't wear glasses. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't wait to see the German version of this card. Yeah. <laughs> it's, instead of instead of, uh, of uh, like a full, one of those full art cards that they did give his promos, it's just going to be a full text card. Uh, it's just going to be like, it's going to be a URL. Like, <laughs> It's gonna be a QR code. Like scan this <laughs> to read this card. Like, you could actually probably in German, you could just get rid of the entire art and just fill it all with text, and just be like, ah, you don't need an art. So let's talk about um, a yeah. little bit how this interacts with protection. So, so as we've said many times, I'm sure abilities don't work except for on the battlefield, unless what I just said doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so. Most abilities, like protection or whatever, they only work while the card with protection is on the battlefield. And that's true in this instance, too. So if you have a white knight in your graveyard and you animate dead it, uh, everything animate dead tries to do is legal up until the point that the white knight is now out of your graveyard. Animate dead is attached to it. Um, Sorry, animate dead can't attach to it. So that's where we get a problem. So animate dead, trigger... 
bring White Knight out of the graveyard. Anyway, Dead's like, uh-oh, can't attach to it. And then the... Um, so now we have an Animate Dead just kind of sitting out there trying to attach to a, a protection from a black creature. It can't. So Animate Dead is not attached to anything. So state-based actions are going to clean that bad boy up, put it in the graveyard, causing its delayed trigger to trigger, making you sacrifice the White Knight. So basically, Animate Deading a creature with protection from black is no good. Well, I mean, unless that creature has a trigger that you wanted to, it will okay. enter the battlefield. Live it will the enter battlefield. the battlefield. So, that's that's fair. So it's like if you're like, you know, if you've got a revel arc or something you want to hit with it, that could actually work. Um, yeah. But uh, it also will at no point get minus one minus out. Like this, this is never actually going to be enchanted on the battlefield with anime dead. So uh, it probably doesn't do what you intended if you're trying to do that. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right, so well, let's, it's uh, funny. Anime Dead is actually going to be the first and last card we'll talk about. Yeah, so show's over. No, <laughs> it isn't. All right, There's so much more. The next card, uh, then. Okay. All right. So, uh, Armadillo Cloak. Um, actually, I think it might be Brian's turn. I'll let I'll let him do this. Well, I was I was just going to play it up as like Armadillo Cloak. Looks like Life Link isn't like Life Link. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, so our, our Dillo Cloak, the, the the real really the only reason that we're pointing pointing this out is we've gotten really used to lifelink. Lifelink being a static ability on creatures that were where you gain life when when the creature deals damage, you gain life simultaneously. Um Armadillo Cloak um, is an enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and trample, and then it says whenever enchanted creature deals damage, you gain that much life. So what this is, this is a triggered ability. Okay, so when the creature deals damage, okay, so it deals damage, then the trigger goes on the stack for you, the controller of Armadillo Cloak, to gain that much life. What this means is, um, if you cast Armadillo Cloak on your opponent's uh, uh, werebear, obviously they have thresholds, so now it's a 6-6 trample, um, and it attacks you, um, it's going to deal 6 damage to you. Then there's going to be a trigger, and then you're going to gain that 6 back. So if you're at seven or more life, you're fine. But if you're at five life, six life or less, uh, you're going to die with the trigger on the stat, the life gain trigger right. on the stat. Your opponent's going to laugh at you because it didn't work. Right. His armadillo cloaked werebear. And, and this is actually – this right here is why they made lifelink the way it is. They looked at that and they were like, oh, well, people, people are thinking that this that, – they would live through that if they had five life. They're like, oh, I'm taking five. I'm taking six damage, but I'm getting six life, so I'm fine. And they were like, eh, no, that's not actually the way that works. So, so yeah, this is this is the pre-lifelink ability. Um, now, also, lifelink is tied to the creature, so it's it's the creature's controller is the one that gains life. In this particular trigger, uh, for armadillo cloak, it's you, the controller of the enchantment, so you can put it on your creature and gain life, your opponent's creature, and create like a pseudo pacifism effect yeah. a very dangerous one because like you just said you know you put it on there six six and now they have an eight eight and if you're at eight life it's going to kill you still yeah but yeah that's an option i actually lost the game today because of this interaction otherwise i would have gained a million life if it if something else had just given a very similar card had just given lifelink instead yeah. of this trigger i just lost the game yeah <sighs> wow i haven't lost the game in years <laughs> Wow. I didn't until you just said you lost the game. Wow. And I was like, you can't be playing right now. Oh, that game? Oh, crap. Okay. Uh, yeah, earlier today at lunch. All right. Oh. Wow. But then I lost the game. Okay. 
and a bunch of listeners did, and a bunch of others are like, what? Right. Basically that. that. Very old. Uh, right. So, um, next card is Balance. Balance is a sorcery that says each player chooses a number of lands he or she controls equal to the uh, number of lands controlled by the player who controls the fewest. Then sacrifices the rest. Players discard cards and sacrifice creatures the same way. Um, so basically, I the, the active player chooses which things to sacrifice, and then uh, in turn order, the rest of the players choose what things to sacrifice, and then you sacrifice them all at once. So all of that happens at the same time. For the discarding, uh, you can set the cards Face down from the hand and then discard all at once. Um, yeah, people sometimes feel weird about that because you get advanced knowledge with the creatures and the lands, but you don't get advanced knowledge with the discarded cards. But mm-hmm. the reality is that's just because there's no other way to do it. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's trying to keep hidden information hidden. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, so let's see what else. Each part's counted as it resolves in the order of the text on the card. So as an example, the caster has an animated uh, creature land and also a werebear. The opponent has two werebears and no lands. First, we sacrifice the land, and then when it comes time for the uh, to, to sacrifice the creatures, we see that the caster has one creature and the opponent has two, so the opponent sacrifices one of their werebears, even though when the spell started resolving, each player had two creatures. Yeah. Cool. All right. That seemed like a balanced take on that. Indeed. Indeed. All right. What's the next card, guys? Yeah, I'm not one Rago, but I'll talk about this. Uh, <laughs> Rago, King and Turtle. All right. How is he in this set, but like dead in the next conspiracy? Uh, he's trapped in a painting like in Ghostbusters 2. That's uh, Rago, right? I guess uh, on the same uh, okay. episode of Doctor Who once. Oh. All right. Brago is a little bro for four mana, a 2-4, has flying. He's legendary. Whenever Brago, King Eternal, deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of target non-land permanents you control, then turn those cards to the battlefield under their own owner's control. <clears throat> Up to and including himself. Note the word target there. Couldn't do Calciderm. Oh. oh. Alright, so, since combat damage is all done simultaneously, unless you somehow... Uh, well, you wouldn't want to do it anyway, but if you gave him first strike... Anyway, let's let's get back on track. Alright, combat damage is done simultaneously, so you can't exile anything that would have died in combat, because that's all going to happen well before we actually uh, put the trigger on the stack. You can exile and return himself, which gives him a pseudo-vigilance, because all those creatures, of course, are going to be untapped, because nothing's telling him to stay tapped. And if you exile an aura you control... <clears throat> All right, here we go. Um, please don't do Animate Dead, but if you exile... <laughs> it'll actually work out pretty sim- pretty well. But if you exile an aura you control, you get to put it back in attached to anything you want that it could legally attach to. And this is actually a way... Even a Calciderm. Yep, you could get your Armadillo Cloak onto your Calciderm using this method. <clears throat> because you get to choose what it attaches to as long as it's legal. And uh, we're not worrying about targeting restrictions. We're just worried about legality. So protection won't let you do it. But uh, Shroud, you can get around it this way. However, awkwardly, you can't exile the anime dead that's on Brago and put it back on Brago. 
<laughs> okay, hold on. So that's oh, a great because when it comes can... back, when it comes back, it can't. It's it's it can't. still on the battlefield. Yeah, but you do get to permanently get Brago, and you get another card out of your graveyard. Hold on. Oh, if if you've got an anime dead on Brago, yeah, and you and you exile anime dead when yeah. it comes back. Okay, because we're not checking state based actions in between. The anime dead's going to come back, but it's got to enchant a creature that's in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. And at the time it comes in, and state-based actions haven't happened yet to put Brago into the graveyard. That trigger hasn't resolved yet. Oh, well, I'm assuming you're also exiling Brago so that you don't lose him. Oh, okay. Well, that would be the smart play. Yeah, that would be the smart play. Sorry. I guess if you only exiled Anime Dead, you would Here's lose Brago. Thing. We're judges. We don't necessarily look at the smart play. We look at what the rule, what's the more interesting yeah. rule? What's the most obnoxious thing you can do with these two cards? Yeah. <laughs> well, just really anything with Anime Dead is kind of... All right, let's keep this chain going. All right. Chain Lightning. Not Lightning. Lightning. Right. For a red, it is a sorcery. Chain Lightning deals three damage to target creature or player. Okay. Then... That player or creature's controller may pay red red. If that player does, he or she may copy the spell and may choose a new target for that copy. Uh, so what's going to happen is uh, as Chain Lightning resolves, uh, the target player or the controller of the creature uh, is going to get to copy. The copy is going to have the same text, uh, uh, the same target, the color of the resolving spells. Um, now... Uh, Though the player, when you copy, when you're copying it, even though it says it's going to have the same target, you can choose to change it. Okay, if you don't choose to change it, it's going to stay the same, though. Um, once that copy is created or not, Chain Lightning has finished resolving and leaves the stack. So you're actually going to, while Chain Lightning is going to resolving, you're going to be putting a copy on the stack. And then it's going to resolve and then you're going to copy there. Um, the player who puts the copy uh, on the stack controls the copy, so... You know, if I if I chain lightning Jess and Jess pays the two to put another copy on there, he's the one that controls that copy, not me, even though it right. came from my came from my chain lightning. Um, the copy of chain lightning is created on the stack. OK, so it's not actually cast. So anything that triggers off of casting a spell, it don't see the copy. It don't see the chain lightning at all. Uh, it is on the stack, however, so players can respond to it as a as a normal spell. Um and if uh, if for whatever reason uh, the target creature or player they gain shroud, you know, in the middle of casting a spell or whatever, the creature gets sacrificed and targets are illegal. Uh, that chain when that chain lightning gets re- goes to resolve, it's going to be countered and no copying for nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's uh, th- that's interesting. That there's a little, it's a little different than what's the other card that. Kind of reminds me of this, but is more complicated. Involves discarding lands. I forget what it is. Oh, is it the the future site card? Um, yeah, yeah. Let's not. Eh. Hey, I was just gonna say, if you're familiar with that card, this doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's move on to the next card. Um, the next card that I want to talk about is uh, Coalition Honor Guard. Uh, Coalition Honor Guard is a human flag bearer creature. Oh, okay. What? I said, oh, okay. <laughs> That's incredibly relevant uh, because <laughs> it's flavor text, or it's, a, it's a, sorry, it's rules text cares. Um, it is a 2-4 creature for 3 and a white that says, while choosing targets as part of casting a spell or activating an ability, your opponent's 
must choose at least one flag bearer on the battlefield, if able. Um, so a couple things about this. Uh, they can target any player's flag bearer, even their own. So if they want to cast like a giant growth or something, and they also control a coalition honor guard, they could just target their own, and that's legal. Um, so, uh, so just see. to understand this card, someone wants to chain lightning me, but I have a flag bearer, so they have to chain lightning a flag bearer now. Is that yes. right? Yes, yes, that is basically how that works. Uh, so fancy. It's, it's these, these so guys fancy. must be so obnoxious. Like. <laughs> now, what's interesting about that as is that uh, if I make a copy of the chain lightning and then they make a copy of the chain lightning, the copy doesn't have to target coalition on a guard because you're not casting it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I assume there's no uh, changelings in this set. Yeah, that wouldn't. That's modern legal. Um. That, so. Uh, this doesn't apply to triggered abilities. It only applies to spells and uh, activated abilities. Activated abilities uh, are distinguished by the fact that they have a colon uh, following their cost. So they have a cost and then a colon and then the effect that they have. Triggered abilities are written with a when, whenever, or at at the beginning, and they don't have to target a flag bearer. Uh, if the targets are changed, just like the chain lightning ability we were just talking about, uh, or if copies put on the stack, uh, you don't have to target the flag bearer, and you are happy. Yep. But you That's can all... target the flag bearer and still yes. be happy. It's only when actually casting a spell or activating ability, so is when you have to choose the flag bearer. Right. <clears throat> I got nothing else on that card. Yep. Excuse me. I think we'll move right along. Yeah. Deathrite Shaman. Which there's not a lot to say about Deathrite Shaman. Um, Hybrid mana. Hybrid mana. Oh, that's two mana symbols kind of squished together. Okay. Wait, we so, did that already. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, this, so there's one ability, though, I do want to talk about on Deathrite Shaman, and that's tap exile target card from a graveyard, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So some people might think this is a mana ability, but it is not a mana ability, and that's because it targets. Mana abilities may never target. <clears throat> um... There, I mean, there's a there's a list of rules. We've talked about them in the past, but one is that they can't target. Another is they can't be a Planeswalker ability. Uh, another rule is they have to add mana to your mana pool to be a mana ability. Shocker. So this is not a mana ability. So people can respond to this if you're trying to exile something in your graveyard and they have something that can remove that card from your graveyard. They can do that. And it'll work. And then you won't get to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. One mistake with this card that I've seen that's actually kind of kind of common. So I've got a Deathrite Shaman, and I'm playing against uh, Milkshake, one of CJ's cats. And Milkshake's got eight cards in her paws and goes to end the turn and uh, discards uh, a creature that uh, she's not able to cast. He. He. Milkshake's a he. Okay. Yes. So he. He discards a creature card. Um, now, the way in turn stuff works is unless there's some trigger or something like that going on, uh, no one's going to get priority. So discarding the card is kind of the last thing that, that happens unless there's a there's a trigger waiting to be put on the stack or state-based actions happen or anything like that, which means I can't wait until you see what you discard for turn and then go, oh, well, I'm going to pay a green tap, exile that creature card, I gain two life, untap, draw you know, proceed with my turn. You can't do that. 
Is this something you see often? It is actually okay. when well when this when, when this card was when this card was was uh was modern playable. I saw it uh, a fair amount. Huh. All right. Like the whole the whole end of turn, it's like oh I'm gonna wait to see what you discard and then right. I'm gonna go exile whatever good thing out of your graveyard. So you just need to have a Megrim, Megrim, or exile something else Megrim? before Megrim or Liliana. Was it Liliana's Arrest? Is that the yeah, that's the newer one. That's the newer one. All right. Well, All right. I got an easy one. You get a hard one. Duplicate? Nah, I love this card. You would. Yeah, he's, he's the, I would. He's Rockstar in my Kiki Jiki deck. All right, Duplicate. For <laughs> six mana, it's a 2-4 creature, artifact uh, artifact creature, shapeshifter. That's a bad deal. I mean, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't fail, pay it. Fails the vanilla test. Sure see, does. All, all shapeshifters, uh, they also have changeling. So he's don't. also all no. The, don't this one does not have Changeling. Um, <laughs> um, Changeling is a character. No, uh, it has an ability imprint. When duplicate enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. Okay, uh, so it does target. It's going to exile it, and it has a second ability that says as long as the as long as a card exiled with duplicate is a creature card. Duplicate has the power, toughness, and creature types of the last creature card exiled with hmm. duplicate. It's still a shapeshifter. Now, the reason why it's all this, uh, the last creature card duplicate exiled with duplicate is what is Strionic Resonator. Resonator, yep. Yeah, which is a card that lets you copy a triggered ability. So you can be like, oh, I'm going to copy the uh, the when duplicate enters the battlefield. You may exile target non-token creature, so I get two of those. Yep. And then now which one is it a copy of? Who's power and toughness? with that and they go okay well now um so um if you exile uh you exile a creature card and you know it's like an animated land or something like that uh uh it's the power is going to be two four uh the same is if uh no card was exiled with duplicate it's going to be just a plain old two four um the power and toughness duplicate does get so if you uh does look at uh, does take characteristic defining abilities into account. So if you exile a star star creature or a star star plus one, you know, <laughs> Goyf seems to be the the ubiquitous CDA creature. It's Goyf in the in exile is constantly checking because that's a characteristic defining ability. It works in all zones. So duplicates power and toughness is going to be constantly changing based on Tarma Goyf constantly changing. Uh, threshold is not a CDA, so if you do, uh, Duplicate does exile a Werebear, hmm. uh, and then later you get seven cards in your in your graveyard, Werebear does not suddenly become a 4-4. Uh, right. And Duplicate, so Duplicate continues to be his meager 1-1. One, one. Uh, it does still get creature types, though, so it is going to be a, 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 a Druid, Bear Druid or something. Human Bear Druid, I think. Human Bear Druid. That's That's my gut. And uh, so pretty much everything we just said also applies to Phyrexian and Jester, so we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost all the exact same. Yep, Human Bear Druid. Human Bear Druid. Yeah, right. Phyrexian uh, Jester gets plus X plus Y, but ultimately all, all the same things we just said kind of work the exact same way. So, Well, in that case, let's move on to Eight and a Half Tails. <clears throat> Eight and a Half Tails is a legendary fox cleric. Kamigawa is a weird place. For when seven tails just aren't enough. (laughs) 
I want to know the story about the 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 half a day. <laughs> I know you you think they would have written that. I think they did. Did they? Look out, yeah. Fox. Okay, I'm wiki oh. wikiing that. Like if Tails in Sonic can fly because he has two tails. Do you not Fox. see him hovering? Do you do you not so, see this? But he doesn't. Right I think he's sitting on his tail because he doesn't have flying. Well, maybe he did when he had nine tails. Oh. <laughs> he needs that last one for stability control. Okay, you know, you know what this is. Have you seen like those street performers where it looks like they're just like <laughs> sitting in midair, balancing on a pole? Yeah, you know, like their walking stick. That's what this is. It's just it, he's just Wait, a street they performer. Have tails? No, they have. Normally, they got like a like a stick or something like that that it looks like they're just sitting in midair, and the only thing touching the ground is their walking stick. And really, it's just like a metal pole that goes up and through their arm sleeve and makes a little chair that they're sitting on. And that, that's eight and a half tails, man. He's a street performer. Hmm. He's not we're talking, scary. While we're talking right. about tails, just to make sure people learn one thing from this episode. Tails and Sonic's real name is Miles Prower, like miles per hour. <laughs> In case anyone like didn't it. know that. <laughs> all right. Please give us the one bullet point on eight and a half tails that did not necessitate all this talking. So, uh, yeah, Eight and a Half Tails has two abilities. It's a creature that has uh, its first ability says target permanent you control gains protection from white until end of turn, which sounds meh on the useful yeah. scale. We should it's we actually, should even though we didn't touch protection, I do think we should probably mention that you do have to be careful about that. Like if you have, I think armadillo cloak is green white, right? Yeah. Yes. So if armadillo cloak on your creature and you give it protection from white, that armadillo cloak is going to fall off. So you got to be careful. Sorry, and its ahead. second ability makes the first one much more useful. Yes. Target spell or permanent becomes white until end of turn. Uh, so one of the cool things about this uh, is that if you target a creature spell or other permanent spell that's on the stack with the second ability uh, to make it white, it will enter the battlefield white and continue to be white until end of turn. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't have any immediate use for that, but it's interesting. Maybe there's some interaction, something that cares about white creatures well i mean if that thing has haste you can you block it or whatever like so okay let's say you have i mean that's actually really relevant if if it's say a creature with haste and shroud okay you can target the spell while it's on the stack before it enters the battlefield mm. okay i like that so you're doing it to someone else's so i was only thinking about um, doing or, it to your own yeah that makes sense oh All yeah right. you almost always use that thing that, that makes stuff white on your opponent's stuff and then get yeah. the thing that makes it on your own stuff right <clears throat> All right, I figured out where his half tail went. Okay, did you, did you look okay. it up? Is this some yeah, more stuff? I you read the school CJ on yeah. some Borthos crap. Oh yeah. Okay, so originally he had he had nine tails, and one of the tails had a black streak in it, and he was like, "Oh, he's it's destiny, man. This guy's awesome. He's got nine tails, and one of them's got this black streak. It's awesome." Um, but he was he was also like big spiritual guy, and Conda the 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 bad guy from Kamigawa block spoilers. Hmm. Um, he's a bad guy. Um, he, he asked, uh, uh, eight and a half, t- uh, nine tails, uh, some questions about the spirit spirit world and nine tails, like gave him the info and he used it to go in and steal that, which was taken. And he was like, nine tails was like, Oh man, I helped. I don't deserve to be nine tails anymore. So, uh, he decided that he no longer had the right to wear his nine tails as a sign of honor as penance for his crime. He cut off one half of his tails with a ceremonial knife. That's not that much penance. Uh, what's that? That's not that much okay. penance. I mean, cut off the whole tail. Let me just, 
let me just ask you a question. If you did something, like, what could you do that you'd be like, oh, I feel so bad that I'm going to cut off my pinky? No, 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 no. Pinky's actually uh, actually worse. Like, he has, he has nine it's, tails, right? So, like, yeah. it's one-eighteenth. <laughs> Whereas one pinky right. is still one-tenth of your fingers. Basically, I just clipped my nail. <laughs> so... Uh... Oh my gosh, so why, much to talk why, about. Why is one eighteenth? Why? Because oh, because half of his tail. Yeah, of his total tail. Okay, well, I get his. I get CJ's pinky. CJ cuts off his pinky up to the like halfway through the between the knuckles. Well, okay, then if I ever release spirits into the world that start killing everyone, I'll cut off half my pinky. But what if you just tell me where the spirits are and I release them? Right. If you release spirits, that's like a hand. Oh, uh, Konda, what was he? Uh, he was the the, the Matt, but he the, has a dog. That's all I know. No, that's no, Isamaru. That was Isamaru. I no, think Kanda he was, was a, the... he was an emperor. Yeah. Oh, Emperor Crocodile, three and a green. It's a five five, and it says when you control no other creatures. <laughs> the segue doesn't work if we don't know what you're talking about. Sacrifice Emperor Crocodile. We had to get off of eight and a half tails. We had to. Plus, I'm going <laughs> to cut out everything we just talked about. So no big deal. Why are you going to cut it out? I'm not. Okay. Thing, That's a really good segue, right? sweet tip for the listeners. If I ever, if you ever hear me say I'm going to cut something out, it means you probably didn't. It was a joke. I, I've always cut it out. All right, Emperor Crocodile. The interesting thing about him is this is a what we call a state trigger. <clears throat> so, and actually, so is vanishing, but whatever. Um, but it says a state trigger looks for a certain game condition to be true. And it triggers in that situation. So in this case, uh, that game condition is is when you control no other creatures, boom, trigger. So the moment that statement is true, it will trigger. So it doesn't even matter if it's only for like a brief moment that you don't control the creature. So a big one, I don't know why you would make this play, but let's say you did, is if you had Brago out and you exiled all the other creatures except for the Emperor Crocodile, uh, even though they leave the battlefield and come back, in that short little window, the state trigger is always watching, and it's like, I'm going to trigger. So it actually triggers in the middle of Brago's ability resolving, and then <clears throat> it goes on the stack the next time a player would receive priority, and it would kill the Emperor Crocodile. So you got to be a little careful there. Um, it's also worth mentioning that you know once this triggers, it's triggered. So gaining control of another creature at instant speed somehow... Or putting a token out isn't going to save your poor crocodile. That crocodile is dead. All right. Dead. Ooh, next right. card that we... He's dead. D-E-D dead. dead. Yeah. Uh, D-E-D so dead. D-E-D dead. Uh, the next card that we want to talk about is Force of Will. Force of Will is three blue blue uh, counter target spell. Next. Oh. All right. Okay. No. Um, so it has <laughs> oh, another man. ability. Um, you may pay... Sure so, yeah, it is. Um, so you may... They pay uh, one life and exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay Force of Will's mana cost. So you may cast Force of Will without any uh, without any mana. That's probably why a five mana counter spell is good, eh? Um, is it? I mean, you're down two cards. I mean, I don't know. To stop their one doesn't seem very yeah, good. It does seem like you're two for one yourself. Yeah. So maybe it's not so good. And what would make it even worse is if there was another effect that causes like spells you cast to cost more oh, yeah. uh you'd have to uh, uh factor that in so you'd have to pay your one life exile blue card and pay additional mana so it's just you know doesn't seem like a good deal yeah 
Um, so you know, and and same with days. Days is yep. another card that uh, that you can cast for an alternate cost without any mana, and if something redu- uh, increases its cost, uh, you're gonna have to pay that also. Yep. But no one's gonna play that. I don't even see why. It's a mythic. This must be the junk junk mythic of the set. <laughs> well, I mean, cancels yep, only one blue yeah. blue. Like, right. All right. Ooh, look at this art. So future. Yeah, Ooh. it's pretty sweet. It's like all Beauty and the Beast ish or something. Um, <laughs> so uh, oh, that's a, that's a says, fetus. Yeah. It's a, yes. But it, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like, I think it's supposed to be like a rose or something, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's very 2001. Very what? Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So Future Sight says, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library. This is incredibly straightforward. Um, you would think so. What's that? You would think so, and yet... Yeah, so you you can you could cast spells from the top of your library and you could play lands from the top of your library but uh things you cannot do from the top of your library you can't suspend it cycle it discard it etc because it's not actually in your hand it is not a card in your hand you can only uh play it uh all the normal timing stuff must be observed so you can't play a land during your opponent's main phase um let's see you can pay any alternative and additional costs, and if you have any mandatory additional costs, you have to pay those just as normal. And if the top card of your library somehow changes while you're casting a spell or an ability, the new top card won't be revealed until you finish casting the spell or activating the ability. So, uh, with the exception of oh yeah, no, okay, I see what you, I see what this is. So so yeah, that's totally correct. However. Uh, if that changes during the spell's resolution, it, it will be revealed. Yeah, this is only in the act of casting. Because the first step of casting a spell off the top of your library would be to take it from the top of your library and put it on the stack. And we don't re- we don't reveal anything yet until you finish doing all the steps of casting that spell. It also exactly. works weird with drawing cards. Um, so whenever you draw a card, uh, you draw... Then you reveal the next one down, and then you, if you're drawing, say, three cards, say you have Jason Mind Sculptor out because you're lucky and you're brainstorming. Uh, so you're going to draw, reveal the next one down, draw, reveal the next one down, draw it, reveal that next one down, and then you're going to put the two cards from your hand on top of your library. And then you reveal the top one of that. All right. Tell us about Brian Guess's favorite. Oh, no, it's my turn. I'm going to tell you all about Brian Guess's favorite card. Goblin Charbelger. Four mana. Three mana. Tap. <gasps> reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. It's kind of reverse cascade. Goblin Charbelcher deals damage equal to the number of non-land cards revealed this way to target creature or player. If the revealed land card was a mountain, Goblin Charbelcher just doubled that, that damage instead. Put the revealed cards in the bottom of your library in any order. So, uh, a couple things to note here is you need to choose the target that... In, in all that text I just said, there is a, the word target in there somewhere. Um, target creature or player. You need to choose the target before you actually start revealing. So you don't know how much damage you're going to do when you start. Um, so you target something, and then when the ability resolves, you start revealing cards. If, for some reason, you reveal absolutely no land cards, who knows? Maybe something happened. Basically, Goblin Charbelcher is going to reveal your whole deck. You're going to deal damage equal to the number of cards in your deck. And 
you get to order your deck however you like because you revealed all the cards and it says that you put them back on the bottom of your library in any order. So that's not a bad deal. So there you go, guys. Just don't run any lands. All right. Yeah, seems good. Yeah. You know what else seems good? Yeah. Green Sun Zenith. <laughs> Zenith. 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 Um, it is a uh, X and a green uh, for a sorcery. Search your library for a green creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put that on. Uh, put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Period. Then shuffle Green Sun Zenith into its owner's library. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about that that shuffling real real quick here. Um, so the double shuffle. Practice, what's that? The double shuffle. Yeah, the double shuffle. So in reality, you, the human being playing this game, you are going to shortcut the double shuffle to a single shuffle. Um, however, if for some reason there are effects out there that care about shuffling your library twice, like Psychogenic Probe, uh, yeah, you shuffled twice. Even though you only physically did it once, you, you, you shuffled twice. Okay, um, now we'll get, into, we'll get into why that's important in just, in just a moment. But um, so uh, one, of, one of the big things that, that makes Green Sun Zenith so popular is you can pay uh, – uh, X can be zero and you can go get a uh, Dryad Arbor. Because that's a green creature uh, uh, that doesn't have a doesn't have a mana cost cost zero. Seems good. Um, if Green Sun Zenith is countered, none of those effects are going to happen. Um, it's going to be put into the owner's graveyard, and nothing's going to be shuffled. Nothing's going to be searched. Nothing's nothing's going to happen. Just normal spell. Now, the reason why it's got these two weird little clauses here about you shuffle um, the the person who who searches for the green creature card shuffles their library and then the owner of green sun zenith shuffles the card into uh, its owner's library into their library the reason for that is there's some wonky rules interactions where the person casting green sun zenith isn't the or the controller of green sun zenith on the stack isn't the same as the owner um normally you got to get into like commander stuff where people are playing knowledge pool high Cali rainwater uh, or <laughs> uh, commandeer high Cali rainwater. Um, <laughs> so those are the kind of cards that are going to do that. So not likely to come up in anything outside of an EDH game where you're intentionally trying to make people's lives miserable. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Well, uh, I guess that the next card is humble. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> Literally, it, it's it's just humble. I mean, it's if you want humble. it, if you want it to be humble, the base question for so many layers questions. I mean, it's just humility, but yes, it's like, humility yeah. on that sense. So, it's it's yeah. humility only smaller. Yeah, the flavor it's... text is even through failure we learn our finest lessons in humility. Um. So it says, until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and has base power and toughness of 0 and 1. Uh, it overwrites all previous effects that uh, set a creature's power and toughness to specific values, but any other power and toughness uh, effects will still apply. Setting uh, effects. Any other power and toughness setting effects, they'll apply after this. Is right, that what you're no, saying? Uh, yeah, no, that's not what I was trying to say, but oh, you're right. sorry. <laughs> um, so, like, any, any other power and toughness setting effects, as CJ was saying, uh, will in, that are applied in timestamp order after this, we'll overwrite it. But mm -hmm. any other effects that are not power toughness setting effects that are applied to this, uh, such as or giant bear. growth style effects oh. or, or things that add counters or things that switch power toughness, those will continue to apply even after something has been humbled. 
Uh, so, uh, let's see. Just so I don't confuse anyone, I did just say Warbear, but Warbear would lose the threshold ability, so it would not actually get plus three, plus three. Right. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Fortunately, Warbear only cares about hard toughness and doesn't yeah. do weird if where uh, gets gets targeted with humble, he becomes there, there, bear. Oh, oh! But an armadillo cloak would still apply, so you'd have a so, two, three. Uh, if he if he gains an ability after humble resolves, it retains that ability. Uh, and humble doesn't counter abilities that have already triggered or been activated in particular casting this spell won't stop a creature's ability that says at the beginning of your upkeep or when this creature enters the battlefield or something uh, similar from triggering once it's already triggered i guess you could get one more use out of your one more turn out of your no you couldn't (laughs) (laughs) get one more turn out of your calciderm but no you wouldn't have priority before the trigger would go on the stack and it's got shroud well this is Oh, it is target creature. I thought it was all creatures. Okay. No, that's humility. Cool man. story. Well, I thought th- I literally thought this was humility, just zero one, and until end of turn. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Hydroblast. Hydroblast is what judge quests, judge uh, class, not sorry, judge test questions will try to trip you up on. Yeah, this it's, is a very interesting template. It is. So hydroblast is now a modular spell apparently, and it says choose one. Counter target spell if it's red. Destroy target permanent if it's red. So, here's the weird thing here. What is the targeting restriction here? Uh, it's uh, target spell. Target spell. Target permanent. Yep. Then, it has a little if clause that's like, if it's red. So, you could target any spell on the stack. It will only counter it if it's red. And you could target any permanent on the battlefield. It'll only destroy it if it's red. Once again... I don't have a lot of reasons you might need to do this. There's a Skulking Ghost. Maybe you really want to kill Skulking Ghosts. When Skulking Ghost becomes a target of any spell or ability, it, it's sacrificed. Um, there's an option. You could actually target Skulking Ghost with the Hydroblast. So, there was, yeah. there was a reason. I, I Way back in the day, like in Ice Age, I think I think it was. Well, you know, so, was, you can, so you can fire lace or whatever. I don't know. There, there was a reason. Like, it was... And it was it was relevant to Ice Age block, but hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. And everything I just said also applies to Pyroblast because it has the same weird templating. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> There's no swearing on JudgeCast. Um, <laughs> I want to sw- swear. All right, Isochron Scepter. Jeez. Um, two mana. This is uh, it's an artifact uh, with the imprint ability. When Isochron Scepter enters the battlefield. You may exile an instant card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand, and then you can pay to tap it, and you may, you may copy the exiled card. If you do, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Uh, so the first thing, um, so basically the way this works is you're gonna you're gonna play Isochron Scepter. You're gonna take your oh um, you know lightning bolt or uh, brainstorm or whatever, and you're going to stick it on Isochron Scepter, and now you have Lightning Bolt on a stick. You can pay two mana and cast Lightning Bolt uh, just by spending two and activating Isochron Scepter. Um, If the imprinted card, so if Lightning Bolt, uh, was to leave the Exile uh, Zone while the activated ability is still on the stack, uh, the copy can't be made. 
Okay, so this is an ability that is going to resolve. So if I activate it, um, and then the imprinted card gets unexiled in some way, shape, shape or form, you're not going to be able to copy the exiled card because it's not there anymore. Um, if Isochron Scepter, if Isochron Scepter leaves the battlefield with the activated ability on the stack, we're going to be using uh, last known information. Or actually, we're not going to be using last known information. The ability is just going to be resolving. Um, it's just going to resolve as normal. It's going to be able to see the. Um, it's going to be able to see the exiled card. <sighs> because you are casting, because you're already casting the spell using an alternate cost by paying it without paying its mana cost, you can't pay other alternate costs. Uh, you can pay additional costs such as kicker. Um, if for whatever reason you exile the card with X in the mana costs, uh, X is going to be zero. Uh, womp womp. Uh, oh, look at that. Split cards. All right. Um, you can just so say if you have a, the same as Cascade. It is the same as Cascade. Yeah. So if you have <laughs> Boom Bust, um, I think the Boom side uh, is a it's a split card. Uh, boom has a cost of uh, one and a red. And you may and the other side is like six and a red. So you may exile it and put that under Isochron Scepter and you may pay two and tap it. And then you can get to when you cast it, you get to cast either boom or bust. That yeah. seems busted. It does seem busted. Um, so neat, neat, neat thing here. Since last episode was our state based action episode, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, it says you may copy the exiled card. OK, so I decide to copy it. Um the the copy you're actually you're actually copying it in exile and then it says if you do you may cast that copy without paying its mana cost so if for some reason you decide to copy it and you don't cast it <laughs> uh, the handy dandy state based action of hey if there's a copy of a spell anywhere other than the stack it's gonna go away when state based actions are checked yeah, I like how many outs this card gives you <laughs> like right. I mean first you don't have to activate it at all but if you do activate it you may copy the exiled card. And even if you do copy the exiled card, you may cast the copy. You don't even have to cast the copy. Right. It's just... Uh, click, 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 click. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I bet. Yep. All right. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I think that card's right, amazing. Well, the, next, the next one is great. It's if a maze. Uh, uh, but... Mine was better. Yeah, it was. <laughs> if it now. If uh, it. So we have Maze of Ith. Uh, which has some sweet art. Yeah. Uh, Maze of Ith's uh, a land that does not have a mana ability, which is probably the most interesting thing about it. <laughs> uh, you t you can tap Maze of Ith to untap target attacking creature and prevent all con combat damage that would be dealt to and by that creature this turn. Um, now, obvious. this is the obvious use of preventing damage from creatures your opponents control, but it has the sweet bonus use of untapping your own creatures after they've dealt combat damage in the combat damage or end of combat step. It'll be untapped, and the damage will already have been dealt. So it's kind of like tap and give your guy vigilance after the fact, yeah. sort of. So Which is pretty amazing. So it also so worth mentioning, if you have a 4-4 Warbearer, and it's blocking... Well, there's literally no reason to do what I'm about to say. Well, let's just say you're doing it anyway. Then it's a rule scenario. We're judges. <laughs> yeah. You have a 4-4 Warbear, and it's blocking a 7-7 Trample. And for some reason, you make... Oh, you can't even do it. Never mind. Carry on, guys. Carry on. Hey, 
Do you know that Maze of Ith and Cards Like It uh, are res- were responsible for uh, the mul- one of the, the Mulligan change uh, that we that we know now, where it's if you draw seven cards and you can just you can just pitch you can just pitch it and go down to six. So the old Mulligan rules were if you drew your opening hand and you had uh, zero or one lands, or I think all lands, maybe six or seven lands, you could reveal your hand. And take a mulligan, okay. However, uh, Maze of Ith is a land, and sometimes people would draw their seven cards, and they'd have two Maze of Iths, oh. or two lands that didn't produce any mana in their hands, and they they weren't allowed to mulligan. Oh, you know what rhymes with mulligan? Uh, Milliken. Milliken. <laughs> yes. Oh man, why why are we why are we doing this card? Because this is, this is one of the weirdest man abilities I've seen, so that's why we're doing a, it. Like, there are like three cards with this ability now. All right. All right, well, the point is, Milliken, <laughs> tap, put the top card of your library into your graveyard, add colorless to your mana pool. That's the main thing there, is that's a man ability. <laughs> and that's very weird, because it puts the top card of your library into your graveyard, but it doesn't break any of those rules I mentioned earlier, so it is, in fact, a man ability. It's also worth noting that you cannot... And this is something only, like, I'm going to say new and studying to be level ones try to do or even think about. But you can't be, like, halfway casting a spell. Um, see, activate Mannequin's ability, Milliken's, sorry, ability. And then see what got milled and be like, oh, I don't actually, I'm not going to finish casting this spell. Now we now the CR says we rewind everything. No, you can't do that. The, the, you're, it's, it's an illegal act. You just sit in a legal action is basically that's the, the whole CR rewind thing of like untapping your stuff. That is to handle when you have performed something illegal. So it's it's not to handle just, oh, I'm in the middle and I decide to to take see backsies. Yep. So because it's in the CR doesn't mean that you're permitted to do it. It's it's in there so that the game knows how to handle it when things go wrong, that it's outside a player's control. Yep. Now let's see how you pronounce this next card. Necropotence? Not necropotence. Necropotence? No, don't be. Nec- <laughs> Even nec- I don't pronounce it necropotence. Uh, nec- I do. Necropotence. Oh, necropotence. Yeah, actually, I think that's right. Necropotence. All right. Um, <laughs> so this card is black, black, black. No. Uh, an enchantment. Skip your draw step. Seems that's awful. I don't um, like it so far. Yeah, uh, whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. Well, it's just well I mean, worse. if you can't draw any cards, that's gonna you're gonna <laughs> run out pretty quick. Um, and then pay one life. Uh, oh, that's awful too. You get pay one <laughs> life. Okay. Oh, exile the top card of your library face down. Put that card into your hand at the beginning of your next end step. Oh, that's that seems pretty good. Uh, so I, I was I was playing back when when. Uh, uh, when Ice Age came out, and yeah, there was a lot of people that were like, "Oh, this card's awful, worst card in the set," mm-hmm. and then started getting out. As was a Necro Summer. Yeah, I pay. I pay four life. Draw four. You know, effectively draw four cards. Just yep. a slight delay. Oh, so, so uh, Necropotence. But since you just said it, we should mention it is not drawing cards. Putting cards in your hand is not the same thing as drawing cards. And if something out there cares about you drawing cards, it would not trigger on this. So Necropotence last ability creates a delayed triggered ability that'll put the exiled cards into your hand. Uh, the ability still triggers even if Necropotence is removed is is gone. 
Okay, so when you pay when you pay one life, you're gonna pick up the the top card of your library. You're gonna exile it face down. Now, okay, normally when things exile, they exile face up, but you're gonna exile this face down. You don't get to know what it is. You don't get to look at it. And oh, uh, no. at the beginning of yeah, at the beginning of your next end step, you're gonna put that in into your hand, and you so you can pay three, four, five, seven, whatever uh cards you are going to put those in at the beginning of your in, uh at the beginning of your next end step now if you have two cards in your hand you pay seven life so you're now up to nine you still have to discard and when you go to discard um you're going to discard it bigger effects whenever you discard a card exile that card from your graveyard so it's going to hit the graveyard and then it's going to be exiled um let's see here i think that's it all right, Jess, I built a whole deck around this next card as a kid, so maybe I can talk about it, and you can take the one after it? Uh, nope, nope, not happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. I did build a deck around this and uh, Arotog. You almost had me for like a half a second. <laughs> but I was telling the, the truth. He, the way he said it, I immediately started to scroll down. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. That's why I went, oh, no, in the middle of you talking. <laughs> I, I saw what my next one was. <laughs> all right. So uh, my next card is uh, Rancor, um, or Rancor. I don't, I don't know. I always said Rancor, Rancor, like you said the first time. Maybe it is Rancor. Maybe Rancor is that Star Wars creature, and this is Rancor. Well, that that is true. I'm actually not sure. So anyway, it says Enchanted Creature. I'm sorry, it's a it's a, an aura with Enchant Creature. It says Enchanted Creature gets plus two, plus zero, oh, and has Trample. When Rancor is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return Rancor to its owner's hand. The thing that people mess up a lot with Rancor is um, that if you cast a Rancor and it's on the stack and the target somehow com- becomes illegal, usually because it died, uh, the Rancor will be counted and put into the graveyard and its ability will not trigger. It will not return to its owner's hand. Yeah. So that's a way to get rid of Rancor permanently because it can be very frustrating to get rid of once it gets going. All right, what's our next card? That that uh, I, I don't know what your your issue with it was. Oh, so, unexpectedly absent. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Oh, <laughs> no, you don't. All right, all right, let's do it. <clears throat> Sylvan nice. Library. Oh, all right, Sylvan Library, one in the green. <clears throat> it's enchantment. At the beginning of your drop step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards in your hand drawn this turn. They, that line. Is the problem. Uh, choose two cards in your hand drawn this turn. For each of those cards, pay four life or put the card on top of your library. So in, in a normal game when nothing weird is happening, basically it's saying the three cards you've drawn on your turn, uh, if, you, if you choose to do, draw the two off Sylvan Library, you can uh, basically put two of those cards on your library, or if the cards are extra juicy, you can pay four life and uh, keep it in your hand. Yeah. Keep or you pay a life and keep them both in your hand. Maybe they're a stream of life. That's a good card. Yeah, life for days, man. Yeah. yeah. So the weird part about Sylvan Library is that uh, choose two cards in your hand drawn this turn, and that's where almost all of the issues around it come up. Because that drawn this turn thing, there's no way to tell once you mix the cards into your hand what what was drawn this turn and what wasn't. So Sylvan Library has this extra little side rule. That's not written, but it's it's implied that you, if you're playing Sylvan Library, you need to keep cards you drew this turn separate from the other cards in your hand. So this is generally going to be the card you drew at the start of your turn, 
and the two cards from the Sylvan Library. So it's worth noting. You always draw the card, um, your start of turn card before this even triggers. And and for love of God, don't cast brainstorm during your upkeep. <laughs> yes, please don't. The Sylvan Library. Well, well, how do you handle it? Well, normally the player with the Sylvan Library, uh, you you should know. You know better. <laughs> so if you have, put it to the limited, they may not. Uh, yeah, fair. Um, so if you have other triggered abilities that let you draw cards during your draw step, you can choose to order Sylvan's library ability before or after those abilities. I don't know. Maybe there are situations where you wouldn't want to do it. Um, but any other, any other player's abilities are going to resolve before your triggered abilities because it's your turn. Yeah, I think what is there's a so for competitive events there's a there's a thread on the forums right now that's basically saying if you do draw those you know you take you you just draw all three of these cards into your hand and you don't keep them keep them separate. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that's going to work is I, I believe this is this is just as of this past week is you're basically going to decide how many of the the cards you want to keep are. And then however many you're not going to keep. So if you decide, well, I'm going to pay four life and keep, you know, keep uh, keep an additional one of those cards and only return one of them, you're going to reveal your hand and the opponent's going to pick that card that you're not keeping out of your entire hand. I think that that uh, actually fits with the philosophy of Hidden Card Error very well. It does. Hmm. It does. Yeah, um, but I, and like, then, I like the old fix of you just pay the life. Yeah, the old, the old fix was, was nice. It's easier. Uh, Oh, you mixed them up? Guess you're paying eight. Oh, yeah. you're at seven. Sucks to be you. Um, but but this this uh, this will prevent uh, games from ending as a result of a Sylvan Library boo boo. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, one thing is, if you're a masochist and you control two Sylvan Libraries, the triggered ability of each uh, is going to resolve in order. So the point of that statement is, you're going to get to draw the two cards if that's what you choose to do. Then you have to finish resolving that. So then you have to choose two cards, put them back on top, or pay your life. Then you draw two cards again. Basically, you don't get to draw four cards, then decide what you're going to do with all four. All right. All right. I wish this card was absent. <laughs> Would you wish, wish Silver Library was absent? Yeah. What about unexpectedly absent? That would be fine. All right, Brian, I think this card is yours. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I unexpectedly absent? Ah, uh, 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 yes. <laughs> All right. Unexpectedly absent is X white white. Uh, it's an instant put target non-land permanent onto its owner's library just beneath the top X cards of that library. Um, I, I like the flavor. It says once the flavor text says once you've been dragged down the currents of time, you'll never quite trust your own permanence again. <laughs> Permanence, get it? Like a non-land permanent. Permanent, because it's a, you're targeting a non-land permanent. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, so a few things. Um, if you let's say set X to thirty, okay. So it's thirty. You're paying thirty white white. You're going to be putting that putting that card. You can grab their library. You can count out the top thirty cards, and then you're going to put it uh, on the bottom of that that those thirty cards. If their library only has twenty cards. What do you do? You're not putting it under the table or anything like that. You just stick it on the bottom. 
Okay. Yes. Um, and then uh, you can also choose zero as the value for X. And if that's the case, you, you put it on the top. Oh. Oh, look at that. It ain't all that hard. Um, now, you, you know, if you, again, state-based actions, if you choose to put a token uh into their library well it's you yeah you'll put it in their library and then state-based actions will make it go poof <laughs> all right you're basically that yeah all right so was there anything else we wanted to talk about about unexpectedly absent no nope. uh, no all right then let's move on to the next card which is victimize which is some very disturbing art now yeah uh is that a Bacardi symbol that he's uh, kneeling on? Clearly, <laughs> this is a this is a metaphor about alcoholism. It um, is. It really is. He's burning the candle at both ends. Oh, <laughs> oh! <laughs> All right. So, picture by says uh, it's a sorcery that says choose two target card creature cards in your graveyard, sacrifice a creature. If you do, return the chosen cards to the battlefield tapped. Uh. So you have to choose two targets, so you can't cast Victimize uh, without it, unless you have two different cards in your graveyard, uh, creature cards in your graveyard to choose. Uh, you can't sacrifice the creature until Victimize resolves, so you can't return that creature uh, or target it at all, um, because it will still be on the battlefield at the time that the targets are chosen. And if one of the target creatures is an illegal target... You'll still sacrifice a creature and put the other one onto the battlefield as it resolves. Um, but if both targets become illegal, victimize is countered and you don't sacrifice a creature. One thing I want to add here is it says sacrifice creature if you do, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't mean it's optional to sacrifice a creature. You do have to sacrifice a creature. Uh, if, it, if it was optional, it would say you may sacrifice a creature. Right. That's there um, in case you cast it and don't control any creatures. Yep. In which case you would not. It's just pay two mana, two, two and a black to just choose two target creature cards <laughs> in your graveyard. Oh, that's great. So on the flip side, if your opponent only has one creature out and they cast this and you can kill that creature that they would have to sacrifice, that's a pretty good move. Cool. Most boring spell ever. All right. Speaking of boring spells, Winter Orb. Uh-huh. Hmm. So the main reason I want to talk about Winter Orb is it's errata. Uh, so Winter Orb now reads, as long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untap steps. What's interesting is it did not used to have that as long as Winter Orb is untapped line. What? What? Uh, but if you go back even further, it did have that functionality. So I guess they've decided they wanted to stick with the as long as Winter Orb is untapped. So basically you can turn Winter Orb off now by twiddling it. Or what other, whatever so, the kids are using to tap artifacts these days. Twiddle. So, so <laughs> the, they basically the reason why they changed it. So the old, 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 old rules were were in the comp rules was if a artifact was tapped, it turned off. Okay, so things like Howling Mine and Winter Orb and stuff like that. If they were tapped, they they whatever their ability was shut down. Um, and then they they eventually changed that rule. Uh. Because they, you started getting into weird interactions because they started having artifacts where they wanted to have abilities, continuous effects, even while tapped. Um, but when they changed that rule, uh, Winter Orb has never been reprinted since they changed that rule. So they just kind of decided, 
okay, well, you know, if you aren't, if you weren't playing in 1995, you wouldn't be aware that this rule happened, uh, winter or and reading winter orb, you'd never be able to figure it out. So we're just going to change the, the Oracle text to match its printed text. And yeah, it's a functional change. Well, now they come back here and they're like, oh, well, we're printing another copy of it. We can put it back to its intended functionality. Ding, done. Ding, done. Ding, done. So one thing about Winter Orb is if the Winter Orb is tapped, so basically its ability is turned off so people can untap lands, uh, everything untaps at the exact same time. So if Winter Orb is t tapped, then all lands, uh, if you control the Winter Orb and a bunch of your lands are tapped, all your lands are going to untap at the same time as Winter Orb. Uh, it's not like it untaps first, and then therefore your lands can't untap. So, right, it's a little, exactly. little quirk, little quirk. All right, Brian. I did Isochron Scepter, man. Well, Wait. I did Sylvan Library and Anime Dead. Don't you want to do this one since you did Anime Dead also? Nope. Nice bookend. Nope. This is why you said we were going to be talking about Anime Dead again, didn't you? Wasn't it? Yep. Crap. Okay. Um, so the next card, if you haven't figured it out, is World Gorger Dragon. World Gorger Dragon is three red, red, red for a seven, seven flying trample nightmare dragon with no other rules text whatsoever. <laughs> That's pretty good then. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, so Did it. <laughs> World Gorger Dragon enters the battlefield, exile all other permanents you control. That doesn't seem very good. <laughs> When World Gorger Dragon leaves the battlefield, return all the exiled cards to the battlefield. All, return the exiled cards uh, to the battlefield under their owner's controls. So these these abilities are linked. So the cards that you exile with the first ability are going to be the cards that you return with the second ability. Um, it is possible for the World Gorger Dragon to leave the battlefield before it enters the battlefield. Trigger resolves. Okay. Uh, so if you cast it. And the when it enters the battlefield, trigger goes on the stack, and then someone kills it. Then it leaves the battlefield. Is uh, trigger is going to resolve first, uh, returning nothing, and then it enters the battlefield. Trigger is going to resolve, exiling everything else you control, and you are <laughs> left with nothing. This is very bad for you. Yes. Um, if an exile, if an aura. Uh, is we're starting to slow, we're starting to go down that path. If so, so it starts, <laughs> and so it begins. If an aura is exiled with World Gorger Dragon, uh, the player who controls the aura when it enters the battlefield chooses what it will enchant. So this is it doesn't have to go back into the same place. It doesn't have to pay any attention to to shroud or hexproof or any of that. It does have to honor. Uh, it does have to honor um, uh, protection. And it has to choose something that's already uh, on the battlefield. So it can't enchant a creature that is also entering the battlefield at the exact same time. <sighs> All right. All right. There's well, a, what auras might we have with this? What auras? My armadillo cloak is a that's fine a good aura. One. Yeah, that's okay, yeah, I think. There's, that's, a, that's a fine aura. Um, and there, I don't believe there's any other auras in the set. <laughs> I um, think there's no, one. Okay, there is one. Yes. So animate dead. So, if you have a World Gorger Dragon into in the in the graveyard and you cast Animate Dead, Animate Dead is going to pull the War, World Gorger Dragon out <laughs> of the graveyard, and it's going to do all of its Animate Deady things to become attached to it. But the important thing is World Gorger Dragon entered the battlefield, exiling all other permanents you control, 
including the anime dead. So the anime dead will leave, uh, but it has a delayed trigger, which will cause you to sacrifice your old Gorgia Dragon, cause oh. Gorgia Dragon to leave the battlefield, which is going to return the anime dead, which was exiled back to the battlefield. <laughs> And which you go get your World Gorgeous Dragon again, and you get to repeat this iteration uh, n number of times. Now, what? Because this is a whole bunch of triggers, so this is this is a a loop, and and uh, these cards have been or World Gorgeous was banned for a while uh, as a as a result of this. Because what you can do fairly early in the game is set up a loop. Because as these permanents enter the battlefield, permanents include land. And all these triggers are firing, and players get priority between triggers resolving. So you can just tap those lands for mana and just cycle until you get a whole bunch of mana. Uh, and then um, uh, you can then just choose to uh, enchant a different creature with, uh, with Animate Dead. Or you can kill somebody, kill the opponent with an instant speed card in your hand since you, you know, with triggers. However, if you can't choose a different card, Okay, so if Animate Dead's going to come back in and the only thing it can get is World Gorger Dragon, it's going to pull World Gorger Dragon and you're just stuck in this infinite loop uh, that no one can break out of. The game's going to end in a draw. So it is a little bit dicey. Uh, don't do... I was going to say don't do this unless you got the win condition in your hand. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's not worth it. You should absolutely do it if you have the win condition in your hand. And not even then. Friends don't... You should. All you need is like an air of the battlefield deal one damage creature like we're not asking for much here <laughs> i probably would never do it on magic online you know what it's it's a detour that's worth taking this <laughs> <laughs> is true nightmare dragon though all you need is a rare and a mythic oh it is a detour yes there is your molten nursery <laughs> wow you remember the name of the card <laughs> yeah that was I our didn't... preview card, man. I know it was our preview card. I don't remember the name of it. Molten Nursery. Now you remember it. For today. All right. Well, that's it. That W card was actually... Hey, We're not going to talk about Zathrid Swarm or anything. Every day for like the next week or two, Molten Nursery. Okay. Please do. I just won't post this episode. Oh. Don't. <laughs> Call that. All part. right. If you want to contact us and tell us how our episodes are too long, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or tell us similar things on Twitter or Facebook. Just send those tweets to JudgeCast. Um, I'll definitely get them. I definitely check that account frequently. So do that. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. That is all true statements. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Notice how many times I've replied to tweets on there. Like constantly. All right, anyone have anything else they want to add before we wrap this bad boy up? Uh, nope. Do we need to type, throw in our type cycling talk? Mm. You don't draw. No. That's nope. always the weirdest thing to those about to me about those weird other cyclings is you don't draw at the end. It feels like you should draw to me. I, I agree. Anyway, yeah, good, good. Glad we agree. All right, then. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone enjoys Eternal Masters. It, actually, it takes me back to my youth. I actually like looking at these cards a lot. I know. They're, they're, uh, it's it's going to be a fun. Warbear, man. We loved Warbear, I tell you. I do. Warbear is so fun. All right. Well, my name's Cedar Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Donks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep uh, putting anime dead on my World Gorger Dragon. Dragons.
Wood. 